When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here. And guess what, folks? Tuesday morning left guard. It is back. Former Mm. Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles coming off of his new sideline work at Nebraska, which, you know, uh, is a team. All my football teams can't have nice things. (laughs) That's that's all I got for the analysis of Nebraska football. They're (laughs) definitely a team. Um, So, (laughs) Jeremiah. They are a team that plays football. They are definitely football. a team. You know, uh, I, I know that we want to go a lot of different directions with this to preview the season with you. And then you have your hunting trip. So you're going to be away after week one, but then come back after week two. So that's how it's going to be. But um, I just feel like we have to jump right into this. On draft night, you jumped in on a very similar stream, just like this one. And mm-hmm. you said, the offensive line is fixed, man. We're good. Christian Darisaw, he's a beast. He's going to... Lock down that left tackle, right guard Wyatt Davis. I gave it an A plus of a pick on draft night. Whoops! Uh, and you were like, "Oh yeah, Big Ten football guard." Um, those two players aren't playing. So, what's your feeling now on the offensive line? You know, it, it, it was addition by subtraction. So we did lose. We did lose. Um, uh, oh my gosh, we lost our Winnebago. He's gone. He's he, he's out. He's still on the practice squad, but no, no, no. He, he is, he's hurt, around. He cannot hurt. Anybody he can't there. hurt us there. <laughs> he can't hurt anybody from the practice squad. It's parked it's around fine. the corner. Dakota is that, Dozier is no longer fearful for Kirk Cousins or Kirk Cousins, no longer fearful for Dakota Dozier, I should say. But yeah, I agree. Draft night. I was pumped. I thought Darisaw, one of the best left tackles coming out this year. I watched Davis. I mean, the dude played in the Big Ten for a long time and was a road grader. And now to hear that they're not going to pan out is okay. I won't that that's a, that's might be a bit of a stretch. So they won't pan out. They haven't panned out yet is, is a tad concerning for this group moving forward, because I really think they were banking on those two guys to step in and be day one starters. Well, the issue with Wyatt Davis seems to be uh, his physical shape, which I think is a little concerning after practice, They have him like run gassers. It's embarrassing. I mean, that's embarrassing. It's not a great sign, man. No, if you're going to be a professional offensive, if you're just going to be a professional in general, you can't show up like that's like showing up to your accounting job and being like, I can't count. Like you can't (laughs) do that. Like you can't just show up to your job and not be able to physically do the what you're being asked to do. And it's really unfortunate because I've seen it happen to a lot of guys that come in. And they're so regimented in their training before the draft. They're so regimented through college that when they finally get kind of past that draft and they go into OTAs and then they get that six-week break between OTAs and fall camp, that's their first taste of freedom since like the summer before their senior year in college. And so those guys sometimes think, man, it's summer break. When that's the complete opposite, that is not summer break. That's the time to lock in and grind and get ready to come into camp at the best shape you could possibly be in 
because once you fall behind, it's impossible to catch back up, especially in training camp. You're not going to get into shape during training camp. You have to try and maintain the shape that you've already built throughout that six week stretch to stay. And so to hear that he showed up like that, very unfortunate. I hope the kid can get himself turned around because the Vikings are really going to need him. And I think he's a good player. I mean, yes. from what I've seen in spurts, but in the last play, uh, preseason game, he played a lot. And by the fourth quarter, it was very clear that he was out of gas. And Mike Zimmer even commented on it after the game. He said, some of our players, wink, wink, uh, were out of shape and they need to work out after practice or something. And then there's one guy running gassers after practice. So I think we know who he was talking about. Uh, but the other thing about this is, so Rashad Hill starting at left tackle. We're very familiar with Rashad. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes Rashad and sort of wants him to succeed. But he's the last man standing. He is last man standing from the 2017 yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. There's, is, there's is like nobody left besides him. And if you would have said me, hey, Rashad Hill's going to be the last one standing from that, you're crazy. But look at that guy go. I know, right? And uh, Rashad has, by the way, talk about transforming your body. Yes. He was a bit on the flabby side when he first got here. But he's worked with Duke Manyweather, who I'm sure you're familiar with, yes. the offensive line trainer. And he is quite trimmed down. And I think that they're impressed with that. And they think he's got a chance to, to be decent at left tackle here. And I do, too. I don't think it's going to be a complete disaster. However, you drafted Ezra Cleveland in 2020 as a left tackle out of Boise State. And nobody had him as a guard, not any draft analyst who watched him. And he gets put in at right guard. Okay, fine. I get it because their weakness was there. But then you draft another left tackle and move Ezra Cleveland to left guard. And then that left tackle is hurt and you still don't try him at left tackle. I am flummoxed by the usage of Ezra Cleveland. And I like what I've seen from him in training camp and preseason. I think he could be a good player, but I just won't ever really understand this. And we've never gotten an answer on it. Yeah, I mean, the only logical explanation is they've seen something in practice that just scares them to put him out at left tackle. And I don't know, usually it's pass protection. Usually it's like this dude in, I mean, I can thoroughly see something happening where like they tried to throw him in last year and Everson just lived rent free in his head because Everson does that to players. I mean, and to where like it might have just shot his confidence level as a left tackle. You know what I mean? Like not I mean Daniel Hunter even. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like if there's a left if there if you're a tackle and you're practicing to guy every single day, and whether it's Everson, whether it's Daniel, whether it's Fletcher Cox, it, it doesn't matter like who you're going up against, they can destroy your confidence. I've seen it happen to players a lot to where they never get it back. And I mean, I've seen it happen to where players go to other teams and are like all pros, and then they play that guy and they look like rookies. And so maybe something happened in that regard of this guy just couldn't keep it all together for whatever reason up front. And now he moved to guard and maybe he's starting to build that confidence back. But again, I thought for sure we, I was on the same page of you when Darisaw got nicked up. I thought for sure, like, okay, we're going to see what Everett Cleveland can finally do at left tackle. And he never, <laughs> he just never went out there. I think they do have a lot of trust in Rashad Hill. I think they understand that he knows the system really well. The one thing about Rashad Hill, that's a big question mark is his run blocking. I think he's a much better pass blocker than Mm -hmm. he is as a run blocker. But, I mean, this is a running football team, as we all know. Mike Zimmer's going to run the football. And so that's kind of the big question. But I do like what I saw from Ezra Cleveland in the preseason. I think he took a step forward. The question is now, can he do it week in and week out? Like, we saw a spurt of it last year. The question is, can he be a consistent 16-game starter, stay available, stay playing the very high level? Because he's going to be tested out the gate here pretty quick. 
I have a surprise for you, Jeremiah. Did you know I was going to do this? I have a surprise. Do you know what it is? Can you see what it is on your screen? No, I don't think you can. Okay. Here is your surprise. Welcome in former Vikings oh, lineman, Alex Boone. Lord. The prodigal son returns. Alex Boone, <laughs> my worry, original guys. offensive line partner. You're leaning in your chair and it's very loud, so don't do that. But uh, Alex, what is going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing fabulous, guys. How are you? Jerm, how are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm just hanging out here chasing kiddos, trying to catch you. You have that gaggle of kids over there at the Boone household. Bro, you know how it is. You already know. You already know. Uh, no, I was going to say, you're lucky you're not in the room right now because I'd fine you for that beard for sure. What? What's Okay, so there's the guy with the suave haircut. Looks like he's modeling for GQ over here. <laughs> what do you want me to say, dude? I got to do what I got to do. Uh-huh. I'm a dad now, uh-huh. man. I'm a dad of four. It's crazy. In- so, uh, Jeremiah, we planned this behind your back oh, for no, Alex sorry, to surprise you. So you're you're talking about uh, Ezra Cleveland moving to tackle, and I'm like, okay, get let you know, come on in, Alex. Yeah, Jerm. Uh, Listen, so- I like this talk right now. Ezra Cleveland to tackle. Why don't they trust him out there? I wonder if it's because there's 35 million dollars behind him. Well, I mean, we played the experiment when we had like five tackles get hurt and they tried to put you out there and that was not not a good thing. First of all, you they lasted, didn't you put me out there. I asked day. them to and no, I, I said, listen, instead of making this musical chairs, why don't you just move me out and put germ where I'm at? And they were like, we don't need anything from you. And I was like, OK, well, <laughs> then I guess we'll just keep rolling the bodies out there. Like, here we go. Well, I mean, tell me if you, I mean, you could correct me if you're wrong, but you watched them too. But I thought that, I mean, I thought that Ezra was a capable guard. I don't know if he's going to be the road grader, what they want him to be, but I think he's capable, especially if you've got a guy in Wyatt Davis, who's just fat and out of shape and can't make it. I mean, you've got to have someone that's capable in there. And it, it's so funny you say that. Cause I was just listening to Baldinger talk about all these guys, these guys come in the league, they're so ready nowadays. Dude, it's the exact opposite. These guys I have agree. no idea where to stand in a huddle. I'm in Arizona. The kid goes, hey, uh, where do I stand in the huddle? That's the dumbest question I've ever heard in my life. Like, you got to be an idiot. He was like, dude, we never huddle from high school on. And I'm looking at this picture, and I'm like, I get it now. I get, I get why the league's mad at the NCAA. I get why the NCAA is like, we're going to do whatever we want, that you're going to like it. Like, they play fake football down there, and it drives me nuts because everyone's like, well, how come you don't like college ball? Because throwing it up there 50% of the time to see who's going to catch it, it's not football to me. Like, that's just not fun. And then you talk about the kids that they're putting in this league right now, and they don't even understand simple things like power, zone, slant. Like, all these things are like, what is this? And you're like, are you an idiot? Like, could you seriously ask any dumber question than that? They're like, we just never did this. And you're like, wow, I guess you never did. That's actually not a dumb question anymore. I think you're absolutely right in the fact that there's no development in college football anymore. The good guys show up to college football and they're good. And then as they transition to the league, they're no longer top dog. And there's no development there, which is why I think you're seeing less and less offensive linemen that get drafted early play early. I mean, even first and second round picks go out there and really struggle because guess what? You have to listen to a formation. You have to listen to what the defense is you have to understand checks and there's no longer like you look to the sideline and there's a giant poster board of like a poop a frog and a donkey and like you know which like you know which plays being run like you actually have to analyze football and when you look at especially from the offensive line position there's none of that in college football and i think that that's really bleeding over into the nfl which is why you're seeing worse and worse nfl play each offensive line play each every week 
Could and not the, say num- the numbers actually back that up, that there's been more uh, pressures in the NFL now than there was even five years ago. And last year, the NFL leader in sacks allowed was the top draft pick, Andrew Thomas, who really struggled for the New York Giants. I think, and, and, and tell me if you, your opinion on this, guys, but I think it was a flawed approach to begin with, with the Vikings drafting two guys to fill those spots immediately. And now they've had to scramble with Rashad and playing Ole Udo, a former tackle at guard. You know, I think you're right, but I think the biggest one was we couldn't afford to go out and get big name starters in free agency. Right. I mean, if you, you we spent money on Tomlinson, we spent money on guys on the defensive side, but as we've talked about for two years, Matt, we just kicked the can of offensive line, like we'll fix it down the road. And when you say that, you're banking on the draft to fix your problems, which is essentially just a crapshoot. Because some guys are gonna pan out like Justin Jefferson, superstar out the gate, right? You got Ezra Cleveland. Okay, he needs some development. But now you draft two guys that you're like, we need to plug and play right now. And they're not really going to be ready to go by the start of the season. And you're kind of just stuck between a rock and a hard place of now what? Do we go sign a guy off the street that's played before? Or do we just kind of ride it out with these guys? But to be fair, I mean, a lot of it <clears throat> a lot of it does fall on the player. Like You have to learn really fast in the NFL like what's important and what's not. Because there's a million things that you're constantly looking at. What they don't teach you right away is like, there are some things you don't have to understand. So you throw this book at these kids that have never had to understand anything. And you're like, you have to understand all this. And not only this, but you have to be confident in your calls. And you have to know the calls as soon as they happen. Like, how many times you get into a game with a young player and he just kind of shits down his leg. And you're like, dude, what's the call? And he's like, bro, did we go over this? And you're like, oh, my God. Is he for real with this? Like, yes, we went over it all week. And you're like, they're just mentally they're not ready and they go out there and they get thrown to the wolves and it's so hard because people are like well justin jefferson did great yeah a receiver's different than an offensive lineman the mm-hmm. minute you get thrown into combat everything starts changing in your mind when you start playing grown men that are feasting on your quarterback and that's how they make a living like you can't imagine the intensity and jerk you know how many times yeah. did we play guys that they just hated us to hate us and they were like i am going to just wipe the floor and you were like let's go and like these young kids would be like, are you going to egg him on? You'd be like, yeah, dude. You want <laughs> yeah. him as pissed off as you can. You want the slobbery dog getting even sloppier because that's when they're going to start making mistakes or you're going to start beating the living hell out of them. And that's when it's going to become fun. Like, they don't understand that you got to raise the bar every single day. That's another thing. Like, the learning process for an offensive lineman has to continuously be gradual. Like, you have to start understanding safeties because they start asking you more questions and they start expecting you to develop the young guys at a rapid rate because they can't develop them fast enough. They need your help too, because if they have somebody in their ear, who's constantly like, Hey, out there at nine on nine today, you didn't get the safety. Like what the hell are you doing? dude? Like you need to know that when the safety comes down, like they're constantly expecting you to be able to know more and teach more and know these things. And these young kids that are coming in are just, they're different than the older guys. They, they see football differently and they, and they like, they don't want to understand it the way we do. And they're like, well, dude, it's just power. And you're like, yeah, but it changes if one guy moves out of place. Like it becomes a whole different play. And they're like, whatever, dude, it's power is power. It is what you're like. Oh my God, it doesn't work like that. You can't just, this isn't Northwestern, dude. We're not, we're not just going out here for fun. Like I got to get paid, bro. Like we don't have fun. Like, when well, you lose in this league, it's not fun. And they don't understand that until they start losing. Well, here's the problem. As I look at this Vikings offensive line room, who's that guy? You know that's what I mean? What like, I'm who, wondering who yes. is the vet that's in that room that's going to stand up Rashad? and say, okay, here's how we do it. Like, I love Rashad Hill to death, but like, I remember you know, I when he too. was a young guy, but he's also just 
some guys aren't built like that. Like that's just not how they're built to lead or built to teach or do those things. And so as I'm looking in the room, I'm like, it, it has to fall as weird as it is. I think it falls on Mason Cole and I think it falls on Garrett Bradbury. Those For are the sure, two yeah. guys that I think have to take control of that room from the player standpoint and say, Hey, here's how we do things. Here's how we do things the right way. But when you only have two of those guys, that makes it really, really hard to develop from a peer to peer standpoint. I'll be fair with you though. I think to be honest with you, I think O'Neill needs to be one of those guys too. Like you're a guy that's been talked about for a while now. You're a guy that's supposed to have this repertoire of like, you know how to be a pro you show up week in and week out. You're kind of like the tough guy. Like, I think as much as a center and a center will always help you being the leader because he's the guy that makes the calls. So if he's the one that's like vocally being verbal all week in the game, it just kind of comes second nature. Like in San Fran, I had Goody here. We had Berger. Like those guys had been around for a while. So it was easy for them and they were confident enough. But then you throw a guy like Nick Easton in, right? And then all of a sudden some things would get a little funky and things would change. You kind of be like, wait, wait. (laughs) <laughs> What's going on with this? I, we didn't talk about that on Thursday's walkthrough. I'm almost pot, like, dude, I remember, and you might have been there in Jacksonville when I he made there. a call. We all looked at him like, wait a minute. That doesn't, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. That call doesn't you, exist. Remember, he wanted to go. He wanted to take zone out to the corner, and we were like, dude, that's the corner. You can't run out there. He was like, just go. We were like, <laughs> Tony's going to kill us. Yeah, and he but dang near did in the meeting room. He, Dude, didn't he? He was like, okay, wise guys. Which one of you idiots? Which one of you guys went out to the corner? And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to look. Well, the best was the best was Nick tried to justify it. So, Nick, remind you guys, Nick Easton would, he's from Harvard, right? So, the dude's just built to argue and he automatically thinks he's right. And so, him and Tony would go rounds and rounds and rounds. And like, you could see it building. And so, like, I, I used to just sit back and be like, oh, well. Here goes 20 minutes. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. Because it was great. Would just, he would like try and justify it until he'd just sit there like, no, no, no. And then Nick would be like, but if this no, guy was, were to do this, and if that right, guy did right. that, and that's what I thought I saw because he kind of moved this way, but he didn't really go that way. So I pushed it to the corner. No. Yeah, it was always the little things. Like, I could have swore I saw him leaning. You'd be like, now, what kind of a stupid answer is that? Like, you're going to get us all in trouble now. Like, it was like the big brothers yelling at the little brother. We, and it was funny because on film, you could see all of us looking at the same time. Like, wait, what? He was like, now I know who I think it was. He's circling Nick in this. You know, and he, he always did that. He always circled the guy he was talking about. You'd be like, oh, yeah, he's coming. But that's the problem now. And, like, if you don't have a leader in that room, someone that number one is going to take all the lickings when they come down, because we always sat at the bottom of the hill. And that's just how old line play was. Like you, it's been like especially that our in whole Minnesota. lives. Especially right. in Minnesota. Zimmer was coming downhill and we were waiting at the bottom every day. And it was like, oh boy, here we go. But then all of a sudden you turn around and it was like, well, who is everyone going to lean on? Who's going to get yelled at the most? If you don't have a rock in that room, that's like, hey guys, it's okay. We're going to be okay. Like we just got to figure a few things out. Like always trying to pull you back together. Everything goes sideways quickly. And we see it as football players. Like people be like, I don't know why that offense just can't get going. You're like, I know exactly why. There's too much miscommunication up front. Guys are looking around all the time. Like they don't know where they're going. There's too much pointing. They're just not on the same page. When you get those young guys into a room with a lot of vets, like I came into a room with a ton of vets. It was just me. And the next guy was like year four. So I was like, you had to learn quickly. Like, hey, why are you screwing this up in scout team? Or why are you screwing this up against the one defense? Like, you don't have time to mess around, dude. Like, this is your spot if you want it. But you can't have it if you're not ready. And I was like, man, this is – now it's like, okay, honey, now here we go. This is what we're going to learn today. This is cover <laughs> two. 
why do we call it two? And you're like, I am really not sitting in a meeting about cover two. Am I really? They're like, just, just listen, just sit and listen. I'm like, Oh my gosh, because they don't know this, this stuff and they can't handle it when you try to force feed it to them. Uh, let me ask you fellas, a question about uh, moving from tackle to guard, because uh, Alex, you played tackle in college, right? And then moved to guard in the NFL and Jeremiah, you've played everything. So um, this is a thing that two guys are having to do on this offensive line, Ole Udo and Ezra Cleveland. What are the differences, the challenges, and um, is this a good idea to be moving tackles to guard? I'll let Jim go first. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is you're looking at an NFL that for whatever reason, and I want to say Zach Martin's the guy that started it. Zach Martin was an all-pro or all-American left tackle at Notre Dame, right? Dude was an absolute stud. They bring him to the NFL in Dallas, and they move him to guard, and all of a sudden he's an all-pro. And everyone's like, oh. This is, the, this is the formula, right? You take these really good tackles and you put them at guard in the NFL, and now we have like this all-world offensive line. So I think that started the trend, and you started to see more and more people do it. I also think that the reason that people want to put tackles to guard is that the three techniques are developing at a rapid rate in the NFL to become legitimate pass rushers, and people automatically think if you play tackle, you're a better pass rusher than or a better pass protector than if you just play guard. Now, the problem with that is your footwork and everything is completely different from guard to tackle, especially in the run game. I was just watching a guy from North Dakota State who plays tackle and he started playing guard and he was playing really good at tackle. So he guard his footwork's getting caught in the air because these dudes are into him quicker and everything just happens so much faster at guard that it takes a long time to get the timing down. I mean, it does. It's not just like, hey, you play tackle. Hey, go play guard. I mean, it takes an entire offseason, an entire training camp, some preseason games to start understanding the speed of a new position. Just because it's on the offensive line doesn't mean it's all the same. And so for me, the biggest difference, especially so take that whole conversation Alex and I just had about development, right? That whole conversation about the mental development, the physical development, and then you throw on top of that, hey, learn a new position. It is too much for a lot of guys to handle, especially in year one and two of their careers. I agree. And I think that the biggest thing that people don't hit on is how, like Germ said, it's such a different atmosphere when you get when you put your hand on and someone's like an inch away from you, as opposed to like those wide nines you used to see, especially like in college and like in the NFL at times. He's right when he says that. But I think the biggest problem that people don't understand is that it's more of a fight. Like you have to be tougher on the inside. On the outside, you can get away with a lot of like grappling with just your hands. Like a lot of those defensive ends don't want to touch you. They want to get away from you. Whereas defensive tackles, on the other hand, are being taught to be more like Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald's kind of setting this bar where they're kind of like, who's going to be the next one, right? And we saw who was it, Grady Jarrett down in uh, Atlanta. Everybody was like, oh, he's going to be the next one, right? Like he hasn't really ascended to an even close level to Aaron Donald. But when Germ talks about these three techniques getting better, what they're doing too is they're putting defensive ends now at three techniques. And they're like, you get into these third down situations and they're like, these guards are so short, they don't understand how to use their length. And so they like get caught trying to turn open and these defensive ends are just prying dudes open. And you're like, what is all this pressure from the inside? And it's because they don't teach them all these things. Like, hey, listen, man, you're short. So you got to go start the fight sooner. Like you got to get on these dudes as opposed to like when they start taking these tackles that are like six foot five and above and moving to guard, they're not doing it right. They don't understand. Like the reason a lot of guys want to move you in, like, Number one is because you're one of the best five and they got to find a spot for you. And they're not going to just move a dude into center. Like you're never just going to be like, Hey, go snap the ball. Like you got, that's a different level position. You got to really have a sack on you to be like, I'm going to snap this ball and make all these calls. Like I know what I'm doing. I've always had a respect for those guys. 
But when you move a tackle to guard, these guys, they don't understand, like, hey, man, you're so much longer than everybody else. Why don't you get off the ball? Why don't you use your hands more? Why don't you give these D tackles something to fight with? Like, they're just going to continue to run through you until you show them that you can stop that. And, like, when I got moved in, it was the day before camp. Thank God Joe Staley called me. He was like, hey, man, I'm just giving you a heads up. I ran into Harbaugh. He's going to move you into right guard. He's like, I know that it was going to be you and Anthony for the right tackle. He's like, but he'd rather just move you to right guard and leave Anthony at tackle. He's like, you better practice a little bit before you get out of here. This is like the day before. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Thank God my mentor at the time was one of the best guards ever. And so he was like five minutes. He was like, bro, listen, fight in the phone booth. Don't take a big set and use your hands. And I was like, anything else? He was like, fight in the phone booth. Just get ready for it. Because it all happens so quickly and you have no space to maneuver, which is it's great because you're kind of like sealed in there. But at the same time, when you mess up, everyone sees it a lot worse. Like if a tackle messes up, there's a good chance the, the quarterback can step up. Guard screws up, quarterback's running for his life. Because you can't step up into it. You got to start running around guys. So you're like, dude, at some point, these guys that they keep moving in, you have to understand like, what are my advantages of being longer than everybody else? Well, I should probably start the fight sooner because I can have more recovery time. Like these are all things you had to learn really quickly. And I played when I got out there, they had just signed Leonard Davis the day of camp. And seeing him at like six foot nine, 400 pounds, I was like, dude, this guy's a monster. And he was like, bro, use your arms. I remember he was like, hey, man, you better use them <laughs> arms. You better use them or they're going to use them against you. I was like, what? He was like, bro, throw them hands, son. <laughs> I was like, all right. And and I started doing it. And then like he was like, bro, that's exactly what you need to do. And you see these guys, and it goes back to the development. These coaches don't understand what they have. Listen, you might not have a guard, but you're going to have to throw this kid in there. Teach him everything he needs to know. What's going to make him good? What's going to make you bad? Like standing up tall, getting run back into the quarterback, that's bad. But being able to use your length, and keep guys away from you, send twists sooner, being able to recognize these things. Like these are part of the development that I feel like coaches at times are just slack and lack because they don't want to have to sit out there all day and coach these things and be like, dude, let's do it again. Throw your hands. Duh, let's do it again. Throw your hands. Like I get why they're pissed off and they're like, we don't have all day for this. But at the same time, these kids that are so long, you just see them get steamrolled all day. And you're like, where's someone to help this kid? Good God. Hey everybody, the season is on the way. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I mean, I think another piece too is sometimes I think coaches take for granted the fact that these guys don't understand that. And that, again, goes back to the development piece in college, that they think that some of these old school coaches, right, that have been in the league a long time, they still think it's the old school way of coaching in college of the way that guys are developed and the way the game is developed. And, but the way the game's gone in college and NFL have taken completely different paths. So they get these kids and like everything that Alex is saying is true. But I think a lot of times these coaches think like, well, he knows he needs to throw his hands. He knows he's longer than these guys in there. So he'll just figure it out. But that's just right. not true because they just don't understand that. And then the other thing too, in the middle is when you're a tackle 90% of the time, it's you one-on-one versus that defensive end. I mean, whether it's run game, or whether it's the pass game, you go inside, you're not talking combination blocks with your tackle, combination blocks with your center, inside twist stunts. And now you have to pay attention to these little things called linebackers that move all around inside. Like that your eye discipline and everything is so different when you move from tackle to guard because you can find some of the dumbest players that are most athletically gifted and say, go play tackle, block the defensive end. 90% of the time, you're going to be right. But you start moving guys inside that's where you really start to see the mental development of, hey, you have to understand, like, if that mic pushes two feet to the left and that safety on the backside drops down in, we have to make a new count. That dude's no longer the mic. He's now the will, and you now push it all back. And mind you, this is all going set hot. Like, I mean, right. it's so quickly. It's, it's funny, though, how fast you see that once you move in because Germ's right. Like, when you're a tackle, you're an idiot. Like, who are you blocking? The end. Yeah. Well, we're going the other way. Okay, then I'm blocking the three technique. Zone like block. It's, it's Take a not, step to where you're going. Someone's going to be there. Right. You're going to you'll fit into somebody. And if you don't, just keep going on that track because you'll find somebody. Like, it's so easy. But when you move in, especially like <clears throat> when I was in San Fran and G-Rose offense, Goody couldn't bend over. So he'd say, hey, you got to look back to Cap. So I'd have to be looking back, having these conversations, and he'd be like – we, he's screaming in Kansas City. You think the safety's down? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. He's like, look. I'm looking. I'm like, no. Okay. We'll keep it on. I'm like, dude, are we really doing this right now? Like, But these are all the things when you move in, you have to know these. Like, Why is the safety down important? Because like Jerem said, you have to re-mic it now. Now all of a sudden, everybody's angles change. Everything becomes – because eventually – Teams will be smart enough to bring safeties down and stretch you w- way out to the corner as opposed to you saying, okay, well, we're going to let that dude dangle. The ball's going to cut back anyways. We're just going to straighten everybody up. Like, that's when I was like, wow, you guys really do do a lot in here, don't you? And they were like, yeah, we do. I was like, dude, as a tackle, you're like, are you coming with me? You are? Great. We're good. Like, I, hey, no worries. I just like a moment to talk about, like, how much football we're talking about in week football, zero. Football, yeah. I was just, I'm all trying not to scream football. It. We're Bro, just so tremendous. We're going into the deep X's and O's of remiked safeties and zones and twisted stunt, and we haven't even seen a full game played in the NFL yet. No, I, I, yeah, and I don't, I don't want to uh, stop the hardcore X's and O's, but I do want to ask you guys, since, Jeremiah, you and I have only talked uh, just, like, on the phone, and same with you, Alex. Like, do you guys think this is going to work out? Like, not just the offensive line, but this year for the Vikings? I mean, I, I have not asked you this question, Jeremiah. You know, I'm willing, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're professionals, even if they're young. I'm willing to give this offensive line the benefit of the doubt till they prove me wrong because it's hard to say last year wasn't more of a rock bottom moment for this offensive line. So they've put some new pieces in. They've brought some new guys in. There's still some familiar faces. So I'm willing to give this offensive line the benefit of the doubt until they prove me wrong or prove me right. 
they might be good. I mean, we don't know. Udo could go out there and play really well. He's developed. He's spent a couple years in the NFL. He might be able to go out there. Brian O'Neill could make a huge jump and be an all-pro right tackle, right? And then you start rotating some of these young guys in and getting them reps, and they can develop too. But I think it's going to be really tough sledding. I think that there's going to be a lot of lumps because when you play young guys, you take a lot of lumps with the young guys as they learn. So it's going to be really, really hard for this team to really come out the gate. And I think it's going to be even a step back from where they ended the season last year. But I think the ceiling potential for this offensive line is much higher than it was last year. I would agree with that. But I would say here's going to be the best thing for them is going to be Dalvin Cook. Their whole offense is basically Mm -hmm. designed around one guy. Listen, we're going to throw this guy at him 35 times a game. If you guys can just barrel down for 35 times, the other pass plays will be as simple as possible. I mean, how much play action do you get out? I mean, realistically, when you think about it, if you're in a run-first offense like they're in, or like somebody like Arthur Smith down in Atlanta, right, you're really only drop-back passing like what, maybe 12 times a game because you have 12 third downs? That's about it. Other than that, everything is a play action, an RPO, or something off the run. Like When you get into this offense, as an offensive line, whether you're developed or not, you should be licking your chops. Like You should be looking around like, this is all we have to do? We just got to unleash this guy 35 times a game and we're gonna, everything's going to work out? This is fabulous. Guys, how could we screw this up? Like, This is how you want to come into the NFL. You want to do it your way. You want to do it mauling people first, and then you learn the technique side later. Because if this is like the one caveat to not being developed enough, you just say, hey, listen, let's throw them in a run-first offense, and they'll trial by fire. They'll figure it out. Half the time, there's going to be a nine-man box anyways. They'll be able to see the blitzes coming from a mile away. Third down, people are probably going to try and get exotic. But at the same time, if we can keep those third manageable, we'll be fine. Like, it turns into a really simple style offense that's based on you just being a badass and going out and kicking people around. Like that's super fun. And as a rookie and someone who's, you're probably, you're probably not as developed as you want to be, but in your mind, you think you are, you're like, man, this really is not that difficult. We're really just kind of miking a few people. And after that, we're just going out and running through people and letting Dalvin do what he does best. Yeah. I mean, a running back will always, a good running back will always make you right as an offensive line. And I think the biggest thing too, is as long as all five guys, I'll call six guys to include a tight end are doing the same thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be the right thing. Just make sure they're all doing the same thing. And you have a good enough back that can usually make you right, which is what killed them at times last year. You saw three guys doing one thing, four guys doing another, and then the mic standing in the hole unblocked and it's a TFL. And then to Alex's point, it's no longer third and four. It's now third and 11, third and 12. And then your odds just plummet of getting that right. Right. We did see one particular offensive lineman not know which direction right or left to go at times. (laughs) So that that person won't hurt you now. (laughs) You can't hurt me. You can't hurt me anymore, Matt. I'm safe. (laughs) Oh, Uh, well, Drew Samia was one of them, but Dakota Dozier drove Jeremiah really insane. So Drew Drew Samia and Dakota Dozier, I, I would do these last year like, Matt would call me and we'd open the thing. He'd be like, you looked angry. I, like, yeah, I am angry because I'm sitting at home watching this going. I can know my lefts from my rights. I can know to step this way or step that way. Like it's the, the simplest things killed us at guard last year. It was painful dude. to watch. And this is why people are like, sometimes people are like, dude, you're a hater. I'm like, dude, I'm not a hater. I just know when I'm seeing good football and it's not hard. You're either a badass or you're not. And it's these dudes that come out and pretend to be that drive me nuts. Cause I'm like, listen, man, all you got to do is fist fight this guy for five seconds. Like you just got to be real quick with your feet and real smooth with your hands and you'll be fine. But they're not. And Matt, when we talked, I told you about Udo. 
Why was I worried? Because the Mike linebacker ran right through the A-gap, and the dude had no wherewithal to be like, maybe I'll just throw oh, we, a we've hand. We've talked about that. We've, yes, we've talked dude. about that numerous. Dude, they yes. ran under center scat protection like four times last year, and they were like, mm, Mike in the A-gap? Not my problem. Yes, not my yes, problem. it is your problem. Step in there. It is your problem. Oh, See, this is this goes back to can't live in 2020. Tackle. I'll get angry. Cannot live. No, no. <laughs> no, because we're living there now because they haven't shown us anything better yet. Like, dude, you guys didn't come out. And this is another thing. And this is my biggest gripe right now with the NFL is that these people have the audacity to come out and be like, well, we're not going to play our starters in the preseason because we don't want them to get hurt. You're right. You'd rather them get hurt in the regular season. I totally understand that. That makes total sense to me. Like, how can you seriously throw out an offense that has not been together at all in a live situation and say, good luck for 17 games? Like, Jeremy, you and I both know that sometimes this game is a catch-22, and the things that make mm -hmm. you great will wear you down. And that's how you got to get tough. And, like, that's another thing. These guys are like, oh, my toe hurts. I'm out. I, my finger hurts. I'm out. Like, Jeremy, we know what real injuries are. We saw a room filled with them, and guys were like, listen, shut your mouth right now. <laughs> like, don't come over here bringing that finger in my face because I'll show you a leg and an arm that's not hanging on properly. Like, you have to sometimes at some point bite down and be like, if I want to be a champion, I have to fight through it. And too many teams tap out now too early and they don't know what's going on because they're not playing in the preseason. They're not together and they're not starting properly. And they're like, well, it's just one game. What's one game? One game is huge in this league. That's a game that you just lost because you weren't prepared. And they, then you look at Tampa, and I think about a guy like Bruce Arians and how tough he was and how much he doesn't give a shit about anything. Sitting in this guy's meeting made me laugh so much, but at the same time, I was so afraid because I didn't know if he was talking to me directly or someone around me, but, like, he just goes off. And I'm like, this is how football should be. Like, it brought fun <laughs> back to football. And he's like, listen, you're going to work for every inch, and you're going to work for every yard, and you got to get out there, and you got to get tough. And he's throwing Tom Brady on the preseason, and I'm looking over here at the Vikings, and they're not throwing anybody out there. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I just see Patrick Mahomes playing against you? The, like, number one player in the world just went out in the preseason and played, like, three series, and you're not going to throw anybody out there? Like, at what point are you like, hey, man, we got to make sure we're good when we go live? I mean, Jerry, maybe you don't agree with me, but I feel like this league's just getting more watered down every year. It's like, well, we got to be prepared for this. We got to take into account for this. You're thinking about too much instead of just being like, listen, go play football. Let's make sure we got this right because when game one comes, we don't want to go in at halftime going, boy, guys, that was a bad idea. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think that the NFL has grown more cautious because the half-life of coaches has just plummeted. If you're a coach and you thought, I mean, imagine, okay, Patrick Mahomes goes out there, right, and gets hurt. I mean, heaven forbid. The, the dude who's going to fall on the sword is the head coach. And then also now say that's a team that's not the defending Super Bowl runner-up, right? Now say it's Mike Zimmer. And Mike Zimmer throws Kirk Cousins out there and Dalvin Cook. And, I mean, I'm not wishing this upon anyone, but they get an injury that might put them out for six, eight weeks or the season. Now they're like, man, I'm probably fired. Like, I probably don't have a job. And, yeah. and I think people are looking at it like that from a self-preservation standpoint. We look at it from players as self-preservation standpoints all the time. I think that the coaching of the win now mentality plays a lot of factor into that. But I also agree with the fact that I think kids are coming into the NFL now coming from a college system. That's like they live in the training room, recover, get in the You do. If you don't feel a hundred percent, don't play like that's, you never feel a hundred percent. And I talked to trainers. I mean, that I have buddies all over that are Ted trainers, big 10 SEC, whatever. And they're like, 
kids just they don't play if they don't feel 100%. So then they get to the NFL and they if they think if I'm not 100%, I can't play. Well, the problem is you don't have 105 kids on your team where you got 53 and only 47 dressed. Like you got to play. Well, the other right. thing um, now about the um, the preseason, I've always been in favor of not playing the guys that I don't think need it. Like Justin Jefferson, I don't think needs to play through being banged up with his AC joint, putting him at any risk. But Ole Udo not getting a ton of reps in the pre- in the preseason is to me bizarre. He sat out the first preseason game. The guy has never played guard before. So some of these decisions cannot be made like unilaterally. It needs to be made, I think, player by player. And then, yeah, I tweeted when I, when that sack happened, like, you know what I've learned from doing the show with Jeremiah? You should block the guy right in front of the quarterback. It's really, really detailed stuff we do here on the show. It's crazy. If someone coming right down the middle, you should probably do something about that. <laughs> I just want to know how the meeting went the next day when that play came on. Do you think he like went like this? You think he was probably like, oh my God, here it comes. That's the one where that's the one where two plays before it you go, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> and you just you just you kind of hide yeah. in the stall and you hope they just brush by it and you're like, uh what was that show? Yeah, we'll get it. We, yeah, we'll, we need- we'll get oh, someone I got piss test, piss test, piss test. I gotta take a piss. I'll be back. I'm a shy peer, so it might be a while. Now, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about Alex before we wrap up and your experience from last year. But how I would love to just go back and forth because it's football starting. And the way that this came about was Alex called me and said, I want to talk about some football. So here we are. I would love to just go back and forth with you guys. Tell me things you're excited about with the football season, because it's been a long time. It feels like it's the longest off season, and now we're ready. So maybe Jeremiah, you could start. We could just go back and forth a little bit on just anything you want, what you're excited about 2021 NFL season. You know, I, I'm really excited about the rookie quarterbacks this year. I think that there's a good class of them. You got Fields, you got Trey Lance. You got Trevor Lawrence, I mean, Zach Wilson, you got a bunch of these guys. And it's always fun to be like, who's going to be the guy that like emerges and who's be the guy that you just never hear from again. And personally, I know this is not what NFC North fans want to hear. I think Fields is the best out of the class. I think he's the the guy that can like have the highest ceiling. I also think he's going to find the field pretty early because, I mean, yes, the whole Andy Dalton's our starter thing is going to last for a week or two before he's out there. But I like Fields. So, first of all, I'm excited to see the rookie quarterback class because it's always fun to see who lights it up and who just can't handle it. I like that. I just don't know if I agree with you that Justin Fields. I mean, dude, with what we saw from Trey Lance. I wouldn't because there's something about that, like, X factor, right, of – like Trey Lance being able to escape and just the way that we saw him running around, like as an offensive lineman, you get excited. And I think that the problem is Justin Fields is too refined for his own good. And whatever they're doing in Chicago is dumb because to not (laughs) throw him out there makes me think this, either you're not confident enough in your run game that he can support you in the pass game, or you can't protect him standing back in the pocket. So you're basically like, listen, we're not going to ruin the franchise. We're going to throw this other kid out there who we think is the first quarterback but is really not because there we go again here was another guy who barely played Andy Dalton barely played in the preseason like dude if you're a number one starter and you're a guy who's an all pro every year I get it like Aaron Rodgers you don't have to do anything like we're just trying to make you happy sure you don't screw up our teams that we like like we're just (laughs) like hey man be cool just be chill we're all friends but you throw out there guys like Andy Dalton who haven't played all preseason you're like what do you you honestly think you're going to go into the North, a division that is so tough on itself, and you're just going to come out 
victorious because Andy Dalton somehow miraculously turned into a phenomenal quarterback. Like, I just don't believe that. And as a team and as players, I'm not believing that either. Like, I'm like, oh, man, we're, we're in for it. And this is going to be a cluster until they throw Justin in. And then depending on how that goes, that could be another cluster. Like, it's just you're running into situation into situation. I think the rookie quarterbacks are super intriguing. I think the number one thing I'm really excited for is to see how Zach Wilson and the Jets do. And I don't mm-hmm. know why. I'm a huge Robert Sala fan. I got a chance Me to too. meet him when, Me when they played the Packers and uh, the NFC Championship. I went out to that game and I got to go out and in the locker room and talk to some of the guys after the game. And I ran into Robert Sala and I was like just talking to him and just the way he talks and his energy and like his enthusiasm for the game. And he was like, you know, did you see Fred Warner? Did you see that stick he made? Like just the way you're like, <laughs> this guy is pure football. Like it's oozing from his pores. You're like, I want to play for a guy like this. And I see what he has down in New York and he's got this new quarterback. And you're like, dude, that could be really fun, especially because I think that whole division is interesting. Like you have the Bills who have just been dominant and look like they're going to be dominant because of your boy Stephon Diggs, which, by the way, can anyone explain to me why we would get rid of that kid? Don't go there. Don't even don't even start that. You know me. I love rabbit holes. Don't don't even start it. I I used to pull everybody down the rabbit hole with me every day. Like, listen, follow me. They'd be like, shut up, dude. I'm like, all right. So anyways, but then you have like this thing in the Patriots and people are still surprised. Like, can you believe he cut Cam Newton? Can you believe that you're an idiot and don't understand Bill Belichick yet? Like he's been doing this for 60 years. (laughs) Like seriously, I'm doing a show on Sirius the day, the day before the cuts. And they're like, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, dude, a total Bill Belichick move would be to start Mac Jones. Like, no question. The kid's ready. Clearly everyone's saying he's ready. Then everyone's like, can you believe? And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? But then you go down to like Miami and think about Tua and how like the owner really wants this whole Deshaun Watson. Like this whole NFC East is going to be so fun to watch just because it's either going to be a dumpster fire or it's going to rise to the top. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one and you guys can react to it or give uh, more and then we'll get Alex's life story quickly. Uh, Cleveland Browns and Buffalo oh. Bills are good. Like, think about this, man. I When I grew up, it was Bernie Kosar and Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and uh, Leroy Horde came on the show one time, Eric Metcalf. They haven't freaking been good since then. I mean, these two teams at the same time, they played in the divisional round of the 1989 uh, AFC playoffs. And I swear they haven't been that com- competitive since the early 90s. I think it's just awesome. Chiefs, Bills, Browns, those three teams being favorites. I mean, we are we are throwing it way back to have that happen. Oh, I, I'm super excited for the guys up in Buffalo. So, I mean, I was there in 18 when like Josh first got there, and we were six and ten. We were bad, and like to watch McDermott and Bean and understand how they wanted to build that team and how they wanted that team to build. And they've literally, I mean, they've turned down talented players because they're like, you don't fit our culture, and you don't see that very much in the NFL. Like so much in the NFL is we want the best player available. That you hear it all the time. Like the Bills are very much willing to be like interview a guy bring a guy and be like i don't think you fit well in our locker room we got a good thing going so we're gonna pass and i think that's really important there and then you flip it to the browns like you said i mean i love watching that offensive line play that offensive line is just dominant and i mean they got two backs that could be starting in any place i mean cream hunt and chubb could literally be starters anywhere else in the nfl but they're together on the same team that's scary that's just scary and i think everyone a couple of years back when the bill when the browns got all that talent were like Oh, man, and then it didn't work out, so they kind of wrote him off. I think they're finally starting to put the pieces together because of our guy Stefanski. I think Stefanski's done a phenomenal mm-hmm. job out there, and I'm excited. Again, those two those two teams I think will meet in the playoffs in one way or another. I mean, it's, it's probably going to happen. Now, the other thing I'm excited about is the continuing 
quarterback carousel dumpster fire in the AFC uh, AFC West with the Denver Broncos. So I think mm. that you're going to be like, okay, Teddy, but maybe Drew Locke, but Drew Locke, but maybe Teddy or somebody else. Like, you know, I, I just, I think that whole saga that's been there of like, they weren't going to name a starter. And then they come out the next day and they're like, Teddy's our starter. And then everyone loses their mind because he has a decent preseason game. I think that's going to be something to watch over the course of the year, because as soon as something goes wrong there, all you're going to hear is, well, they passed on fields. Mm-hmm. Well, they, like, I just think that that's going to be an interesting storyline, mostly because I am from Denver. My dad talks about it all the time. And he just talks about how it's literally all they talk about 24 seven out in Denver. I think it's hilarious. Dude, I love the fact that you brought up the Browns, especially because John Dorsey does not get enough credit for what that guy did for that team. Like the way that he brought in talent originally, like everyone forgets about how he was like the guy that was like, nah, dude, like we got to bring in talent. We got to spend money. Then he left. And I feel like Andrew Barry and Stefanski just inherited this fabulous team. And now they're turning it into like this. Hey, what else can we do? And and Jerm's right. They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL today. No question. The best running backs. They have a system built around two guys who are super special. But defensively, can they be better in the back end? Like, that's one of their biggest points right now, especially when you play, like, a Lamar Jackson, like, who you're going to have to stop his run game first. But then he's going to go up top. And the one thing about Zero is he loves to air it out. And even Big Ben, like, he can take hit after hit after hit and still deliver the ball. Now, he's getting older, and he hasn't been able to do it so well. But consider him on his comeback tour because he's got to do something this year fabulous. But the Browns are no question going to be in the playoffs this year. And what Stefanski's done is great because he's built this team around the ideology of, like, family and, like, we're all here together. We all do this together. But look what Brandon Bean's done with the Bills. And, like, like Jerm said, like, the way that he brings people in and he's like, hey, listen, do you fit our scheme? Do I don't know. Do you? Let's keep him around for a couple of days. We'll, we'll see. We'll watch him. And the way that they kick guys out, like, eh, we're good. We're, you know, we don't really need you. And you're like, did they really just release that? Like, wow. These guys are doing it in their own fashion. And it's like this gritty, tough, we don't care. We're going to knock you around, let our defense build up on you a little bit. Our offense is just going to have this star power, this quarterback that can do a lot of things. But at the same time, you never really know what he's doing. Like, you got to love what McDermott's doing up in Buffalo just because, like you said, they haven't been good since the early 90s. And for Cleveland and Buffalo, if they were to meet in the playoffs, dude, that would be some serious football. Talk about the fan fights. Could you imagine the dog pound <laughs> versus the mafia? Dude, dude the dog, dog pound, pound versus the mafia. a hundred times. Oh, what? get out of here no. with your Ohio nonsense, dude. I'm with Bill's no. mafia all day. <laughs> all right, oh, okay, uh, we'll Alex, see. what? Why don't, before we wrap up, you give us a little life update. I mean, I'm not asking for any announcements here, but uh, you're doing some XM stuff. You made a comeback last year after retiring or not retiring, but not being in the NFL. And then you make a comeback. It was like a semi-retired and you did a radio show with me and then decided that was too boring (laughs) for you and needed to try to make the NFL again. You did and were signed with the Seahawks. So your life's kind of been a little crazy over the last uh, two years. Dude, it's been so fun, especially going to Seattle and getting to play with Pete Carroll, like playing against a guy that you hate for so long, but you still love him and respect the living shit out of him. And then you meet him and you're like, this dude is so much cooler than I could have ever imagined. Like the way he breaks football down and the way that he's just like football needs to be fun all day long, because if it's not, you're not learning, you're not getting better. Like the music was always cranked up. Everybody was. It was like a hundred thousand me's in one room. Like I couldn't believe it. I got there and they were like, dude just be you and i walked into this room and they're blaring metallica it was the team room and everyone's going crazy and i'm like this is insane like this is what it's supposed to be and just how everybody was always so happy and like dude let's go practice let's go have fun and you're like 
I said, I never really called it fun, but I guess it was always like, all right, here we go. Here we go. It's time to go lace them up and get yelled at for a couple hours. Like they were like, no, dude, we don't yell here. If we yell, we're yelling in excitement. Like everybody's always like wearing wigs and just doing these awesome things to make you laugh all the time. And they're constantly like, dude, we got to win. Like winning's number one, winning's key. And when you, when you get into these like team rooms and you see these guys and how they truly believe it, like that comes into this development thing where I might not be developed all the way, but my coach believes in me enough that I'll figure it out. And they start having this confidence. And like, that's what Pete like is pushing on all his players. And every time there's a big hit, we have to watch it. And every time someone gets beat, we have to watch it because we have to learn from it. And they're like laughing at you and they're pulling up old pictures of me. And I'm like, dude, who is finding all these? Like there's matchups of the day. Like they're like, Oh, it's you versus Monet. And then Monet stands up and like does the Haka. And you're like, what is going on? They're like, Oh, it's going to be a Royal rumble. You're like, we're not even wearing pads. They're like, who cares? You're like, okay. Like everything about <laughs> it was just awesome. And then to get to talk to Pete and like break football down with him and how he talks about it, and like the people that he knows and the people that I know. And I'm like, I didn't realize that you were at Ohio State for a while. And he was, he made me like try to sing the fight song and then yelled at me because I couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, like letting you down already. And you know how it is, dude. Football, it's so fun. Like that was what I wanted to do and just – you know, and I told you why I obviously couldn't come back. I mean, knees are old, old and bad, but they laughed at me when I told them I wanted to play 10 more years. They were like, bro, your uh, your knees don't look very good. I was like, yeah, I know. So. Well, you will be popping into this show from time to time and you're doing stuff yes. on XM. You are an incredibly talented radio personality beyond just what you've had for a very good all pro NFL career. So uh, I was super excited for you last year. I know I was texting you along the way, but super excited to see you do something totally insane and come back to the NFL. So I appreciate this. This has been amazing. And the most, I mean, we set the bar high for football, football. I think this is the highest it's ever gone with two offensive linemen breaking down Mike linebackers and changing it to the will and all that stuff. So I appreciate your time, man. And this was super fun. And uh, we'll we'll be doing this, uh, you know, this Tuesday morning left guard thing pretty regularly. So you're always welcome to pop in. Hell yeah, dude. I appreciate it, guys. I love it. Thanks so much for ha- having me, Jeremy. You know I love you. You're the best, bro. We got a lot of stories to tell. Yeah, we got to catch up soon, buddy. It was good seeing you. And I, I will say I'm thoroughly impressed of how you've been able to put a muzzle on your cuss words as you've gone on air. It's It's been a sight to see. I don't know if they're ready for this podcast, bro. I mean, I I, I was told to be a no. little calmer today, so I was like, "Let's." You were you were good. Time. You were a good boy. You you were good. I was proud of you. I'm proud. I told of you. I told him to put it on six out of ten. Like as this the is season, like a four. Yeah, this, yeah, this is right. not a four. Yes, I mean, yes. I think I think this is a solid four. I, we're not ready for anything higher than that. <laughs> that wait, that will be as the, the season game. goes along. Yeah. Right. I'm exactly. Gonna, exactly. As we start watching these games. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. And uh, thank you all for listening to this football event here on Purple.